Often in advertising, you'll hear terms like no obligation. But what does that mean? Hi, I'm Danny Deeks, and at Deeks Insurance, no obligation means we'd be happy to go over your insurance coverage and talk about your needs and options with no pressure to buy. And you could benefit either from potential savings on premiums or by getting a better understanding of your policy. Give us a call today at 1-800-240-5283 or visit us on the web at deeksinsurance.ca. But we said wherever God puts us, uh, we just deeply desire that he would use us there and that whoever is near us, whether it's an apartment, a trailer park, a neighborhood, uh, to say, God, could you let your light shine in natural ways? And that's the key is natural. You're going to be learning some great avenues for sharing your faith in simple, natural ways from Kevin Harney and his wife, Sherry, on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Thanks for joining us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I think we as Christians sometimes overthink evangelism. We want to be lights for Christ in this dark world, of course, but there are so many reasons we don't. Uh, Maybe we're busy with kids at home or Our weekdays are long and draining, or we simply feel like we don't have the gift of evangelism. And that's why I love Kevin and Sherry's approach to sharing the gospel. As you'll hear in the conversation today, Sherry doesn't feel like evangelism comes naturally to her, but their family has found ways to use simple, everyday things like refrigerators and swimming pools (laughs) as ways to share the love of Christ with their friends and neighbors. We'll explain more in a minute. Uh, But we recorded this broadcast a number of years ago, and I wanted to share it again to help you team up with your spouse and kids and, as Paul says in Ephesians, make the most of every opportunity. Absolutely. And uh, Kevin and Sherry serve on staff at Shoreline Community Church in California. They've been married for over 30 years and have three adult sons and two grandchildren. And together they've written a book called Organic Outreach for Families, Turning Your Home into a Lighthouse. And we have that, of course, here at focusonthefamily.ca. Let's go ahead and join that conversation as Sherry answered Jim's question about how, although evangelism may come easily to her husband, it feels like quite a stretch for her. Well, I think that between the two of us, that happened. Kevin is an evangelist. I'm not. That's not one of my gifts. But that's one of the things that we talk about in the book is how those of us who maybe don't consider ourselves as the gift of evangelism, that we're all called to be the light Mm -hmm. in the world. In, In Matthew 5, it says that you are the light of the world. Jesus said that about us. And so all of us are called to shine that light. And Mm -hmm. so we hope that through our book, we're encouraging families on how to be that light. Sherry, let me ask you this, because I so appreciate that vulnerability, because, you know, as people go, whoa, you're not comfortable with evangelism? It's almost like code blue in Christian talk. Mm -hmm. But how do you, um, how did you work that out early in your marriage? Were you ever uncomfortable? I Very much so, and I think that that is actually where our passion to write this series of books on organic outreach came, realizing that there are some people who are gifted evangelists and some are not, and how do we train people like myself to have this passion and this ability to, in a natural way, 
share the love of Jesus. And so basically, this is what moved us is the gap between the mm-hmm. two of us mm-hmm. to write yeah. the series. And to bring comfort to your listeners, about studies would show that 95 to 97% of Christians don't have the gift of evangelism. 95 yeah, wow. to 97%. But we can all love Right. And we can all listen and care. Well, it's yeah. even when you look at the spiritual gifts, some people have the gift of generosity, but we're all called to give. Mm. And some people have gifts of service, but we're all called to serve. And it's very much like that with evangelism, that there's some people who have the gift of evangelism, but we're all called to share Jesus. Yeah. Well, let's let's bend into the book then and the content in organic outreach, because mm-hmm. in there you're talking about how to make your home that lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Did you decide that on your honeymoon? Mm-hmm. Did the two of you as a young couple say, let's make our house that's a beacon for the lost and bring people in? How did that get going? Where'd you get traction mm-hmm. saying, okay, this is what we want to do? I think, honestly, um, it started when we were engaged, yeah. don't you think, Kevin? Yeah. Uh, and uh, we have an interesting story because Kevin just had this big heart to serve God, do anything for him at any cost. Mm. And I was more cautious. And uh, so actually what had happened was we were engaged. I was living in Ontario, California, and he was living in Pasadena. And he called me one night and he said, hey, Sherry, uh, I just want you to know I've I've been able to minister to this guy off the streets. (laughs) And Kev, I'll let you finish it because you you remember it better. And this wasn't unusual for me. I, I was still a somewhat new Christian and I didn't grow up with faith. So when I read the Bible, I just tried to do whatever it said. So people came and knocked to my door and wanted money. I'd give them money. If they wanted food, I'd bring them in and I'd feed them. If they wanted clothes, I'd open my closet and I'd say, take whatever you want. And I wasn't thinking about how this might impact when you're married someday. Uh, right. <laughs> and so this guy comes to my door and, and he was in a rough time, a young guy. And, and he uh, knocked on my door and he asked if he could have some food. And I gave him some food. And I ate mostly top ramen and bologna those days. I, I was broke. And so it was but, easy to say, <laughs> take my food. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was easy. There was no steaks in the freezer. Uh, so we, we had a meal together and he hung out at my house for a while. And then he actually, uh, um, you know, he asked if he could stay the night. And uh, and I said, sure, I'll be here tonight, and I'll let you stay the night. And I think, did I call you before or after that? Well, all I remember is <laughs> I got the call that this young man was going to be spending the night with Kevin. That was not a good moment for me mm. because I it was the first time in our engagement or our dating that I actually thought to myself, can I marry a man who just lets anybody off the street into our home overnight. I had images of our, you know, raising a family, having kids, and we have all these people just coming that we don't even know. And I mm. questioned whether that was safe. Mm. If we don't That's know, that's a fair this, question. It was, yeah. and it was such a big concern for me that night because I loved Kevin. I wanted to marry him. I remembered actually. Um, I'm just going to say it. I ended up throwing up. I was so mm. sick to my stomach because I thought, I know we want to be this family. We had already been talking about it. We want to be a family that, that reaches out, but is this part of that? And so anyways, I spent the night sick. Kevin spent the night. So the guy stayed the night and I was alive in the morning. And uh, and so uh, then I had to go to class. I was a student going to seminary, had to go to class. And so I told him I was going to head to class. He said, well, he said, I'll just stay here while you're gone. And I had enough sense to say, well, that's probably not, I could probably come back and everything could be gone. I didn't have a lot, but I thought... You know, so I said, well, listen, you know, and it was actually a triplex that my grandmother owned, and I was in the front one, she was in the back one. I was in Pasadena, so it was a little old lady from Pasadena. That was both my grandmothers lived in Pasadena. <laughs> True story. My grandma and my granny lived in Pasadena my whole life growing up. So I said to her, well, why don't you go do something else for a while and then come back in about four hours when my, my class is done and you can come back and we'll have some dinner or something. 
And he said, okay, great. So I headed off to school. He left. I got to tell you, I, I pulled in from school and there were two police cars in the back of the triplex at my grandmother's place. And I thought, wow, I wonder if she had a heart attack or something. I don't know what's going on. And, I, and it never crossed my mind. I didn't put any pieces together. I went to the back and she's sitting there with the police officer kind of kneeling by her and she's, you know, pale and sheet white and upset. And, and another officer comes out to me and he said, I need to talk with you. One of your friends assaulted and robbed your grandmother. Oh. And I stood there and I had to rethink mm -hmm. what it means to be a lighthouse home. Mm -hmm. Does it mean you open your door to everybody at all times, no matter what the cost, or is there a place of wisdom and discernment and prayer and boundaries? And I'd never thought about that before. And that changed the trajectory of our journey together. Uh, we still were committed to this, but we had to think about how do you do this when you're going to be married, when you have children, and mm. how do you still lay it all out for Jesus, but also stay alive to lay it out tomorrow too? Um, let's talk about that. What are some of the practical ways over the 30 years that you've done this that you've learned that it works best? So what do you do that uh, does minister to people, that doesn't put you at too great a risk, and that gets the point across in terms of the gospel. So when we look at whatever we have and whatever we do out of our home, how can we leverage that for the gospel? And so, for instance, when we were raising three boys, one of the things that we found out is that boys love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much eat and sleep, yeah. So yeah. how could we leverage that for the gospel? And one of the ways that we did it was uh, we had a basement in Michigan. When we, we were raising our boys in Michigan, we had a basement, and it was just an open area for the kids to play. But we, we bought a refrigerator. And we put a refrigerator downstairs, and we put food in. We didn't spend a lot of money, but we had a line item in our budget, food for neighbor boys, you know, for the kids. And sometimes there'd be 20 or 30 kids yeah. at once. And yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like locusts just standing on the land, <laughs> yeah. and then when they leave, it'd be gone. Food. You know? Sounds but, like a Sam's Club moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we found this to be a great way to reach out to the community because word got out. You could get free food at the Harney's. <laughs> and uh, and we, we had a cabinet, too, that we stocked. Not a huge amount of food, but cans of soup and different things like that. And the thing that was, I think, so neat for the boys and their friends was the refrigerator in the basement was theirs. Mm -hmm. And anybody could go into it at any time and eat what was ever there. And that, for some reason, that was a huge draw for the boys. They mm -hmm. felt loved. It's kind of that, that idea of that refrigerator rights. Yeah. You know, who, if you let someone into your refrigerator, you're saying to them, you're part of our family. Mm -hmm. huh. But I'll say a word about boundaries. We had a refrigerator upstairs, which they did not have rights to. <laughs> right. <laughs> because if they did, all of our food for our, you know, Sherry would go grocery shopping and then it would all disappear. So we said, this is your refrigerator, this is your cabinet, whatever's in it, you can have. And that's living in Michigan. You're in the yeah. same cul-de-sac for 17 years. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a little unusual. But uh, yeah, what were some of the... So another thing that we were able to leverage for the gospel was when we decided to get an above-the-ground pool, not a fancy, it was low cost. And this was a time, you have to understand, this was 20 years ago, and a lot of people didn't have an above-the-ground pool. So when we got ours in our neighborhood, it became the spot that everybody wanted to come to. It and, had and, to be. And, and again, that creates a dilemma. So how do I share this? How do I leverage this? for the gospel, but maintain safety, 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I can't spend all my days watching kids swim. And that was a struggle for me. I have to say, I sought the Lord. We didn't, I didn't have books like this to go to. And as I, I prayed, I said, Lord, you know my heart. You know I want to have certain boundaries, but I want to use this for you. The Lord gave me this idea. We had one day, we designated one day, and this was during the summer months. We made it Tuesday. And we told all our neighbors that from one to five, anybody was invited, as long as they brought a babysitter or a parent, another adult that would be responsible for them. But what happened is word spread that Tuesday afternoons, you could go swimming at the Harneys. It wasn't a big pool, but lots of people came and they brought their parents, they brought their babysitter. And every Tuesday afternoon during the summer months, we sat together watching our kids play, swim, and conversations about God came up. If we are going to be the presence of Jesus, if we are, if our home is going to shine with the light of Jesus, number one, we have to be around occasionally because we're gone from our home so much these days. You know, we have to be around occasionally. And then when we're around, we have to have an open spirit even when we're tired. Mm. And there were times where Sherry and I would, uh, where we just, it was kind of, you know, part of it was, boy, we love doing this. Sometimes it was just flat out ministry. It's that this is our calling. And you go, well, you've been, you've been ministering all day long. Yeah, and now we're going to minister all night long. And one of the things that we talk about is the fact that, we're, and we're good about a rhythm of Sabbath once a week, but we talk about we're going to really get to rest someday where we really get to rest, probably when we get to heaven. Um, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> okay, I'm exhausted. That's, that's, that's true. That's part it's of our true. journey. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one more neat uh, issue of, kind of where we learned about boundaries and serving is that when I would go out in front of our house with our boys, with a little front lawn, not a big lawn, but a little front lawn, and there were how many boys in our cul-de-sac? 11 under 11. 11 under 11 <laughs> early on. And then the kids from the other streets would start to, they'd see us doing something, they'd come over. So I'd go out with my three boys to play. And before you knew it, there'd be 11, 12, 13, 14 boys there. And we and I'm a big kid, so I'd organize soccer games and basketball games. I'd come up with all different fun things to do. And that was fun for me. And again, I, usually after a busy full day, but I'd come home in the summers, usually in the evenings, time to play. But one day after we'd hung out and played with all the neighborhood boys, one of my boys, I don't remember which one, pulled me aside and he asked this question. He said, Dad, could we ever just play with you? Huh. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, every time we go outside to play, it's like 10 or 15 kids and, and it's great, but could we ever just play with you? Hmm. And I was like, Okay, yeah, good question. Boundaries again, loving, serving boundaries. And so I, I said, the next time all the boys came over from the neighborhood, I said, hey, listen, I said, every so often, uh, we're going to have a, a Harney family time. When it's Har- Harney family time, you can't come over. But after Harney family time's done, then you can come over. And, and I was worried, like, they'd feel all bad and hurt and stuff. They're like, oh, okay, great. Is this a Harney family time? Yes, it is. They all took off. <laughs> so a couple days later, I'm out with the boys. They come running over, like, halfway across the street. They stop and they go, is this a Harney family time? And I'm like, <laughs> I look at my boys and they're like, yeah. I said, yes, it is. And then they go, okay, wh- we'll come over later. And they didn't feel bad at all. They, yeah. just, they just heard the boundaries. And they, but what happened with my boys then is that they knew there were times that were just for them. And then times to play with the neighbors. And well, so, it communicated so, a lot to Yeah, it did. To our boys and to the neighbors, they learned something about boundaries too, I think. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Looking for advice on how to stay sane while you parent your children? Or some great laughs and heartfelt stories about how God works in the family? Focus on the Family invites you to join listeners from across the country as they tune into the daily broadcast with Jim Daly and John Fuller. Get the free app for your Apple, Android, or Windows mobile device and receive inspirational, godly encouragement when you need it most. Get the free app today at focusonthefamily.ca slash mobile or visit your Apple, Google, or Windows app store. 
Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus admonished us to build up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth. In other words, focus on things of eternal value, such as the salvation of people, involvement in ministry, and giving to God's work, rather than focusing on accumulating money and material things which are temporary in nature. Further, Jesus warned, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, Christ is saying what you really treasure is generally reflected where you spend your money and your time. Regardless of what we may say, our bank account, credit card statements, and our daytimers reflect our true priorities. If, like most people, you've been building up treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven, may I suggest that you pray, meditate upon God's word with respect to finances, start investing your money and your time in God's work, because often your heart will follow where you invest your money and your time. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Does a story stick out for you? I mean, I could have easily been one of those boys mm-hmm. coming to your mm-hmm. house yeah. because I... And we know, would have loved it. It was broken. <laughs> I came from a really dysfunctional yeah. situation. Yeah. And so, you know, I would have loved to have known a neighbor yeah. that would let me yeah. swim in their pool and mm-hmm. go over there. Um, would you intentionally look for that boy mm-hmm. or girl who yeah. seems a little bit in trouble? They found us. Yeah. Oh, yes. And how, what does that yeah. discussion look like? How would they open yeah. their heart to you? That was probably one of our biggest challenges, is ministering to children that were troubled. You know, for multiple reasons, wanting to help them, but also wanting to protect our children as well, because we know what influences do to children. That was probably our biggest challenge, Mm -hmm. is how do you love some of the kids that are troubled and are, from what we could tell, going in the wrong direction. Sure. Yeah. And now we are letting our kids mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. And that and was... Inviting them into our home. And inviting them yeah. in our home. That's a and, faith step. And encouraging our boys to hang out with those kinds of kids. Wow, that is very uh, challenging. It, I could see that. It was. Because we try to protect today. Yes. Absolutely. And that was, the, I would say, our biggest challenge. And one of the things, the way that we did it is we early on we let our children know that they could hang out with anybody they wanted we would tell them that you may because we we would tell them we're the light of the world we have good news to share we want you to hang out with anybody but you may hang out with anybody as long as you are light Mm -hmm. as long as you're the influencer but we want you to know that when we see that their darkness may be influencing you, we will pull you out. Hmm. How, let me ask the million-dollar question. Your kids are grown now, your three mm-hmm. boys. How are they doing? Oh, Spiritually, how are they doing? Yeah. All passionately love the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yes. You take a risk, you put your kids, and you coach them to launch. I mean, that's what you really were doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're going to get into the world at some mm-hmm. point, and mm-hmm. they're going to experience yeah. people that use bad language, that uh, use drugs, that use alcohol that have premarital sex. I mean, that is the environment. And yes, to the parents, that includes Christian campuses, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Christian schools. You know? sure. yeah. And to prepare your kids to engage, I, I like that. That takes courage, though. Well, and I tell you, it was messy. Um, it was challenging uh, because uh, one of our boys, uh, the circle of friends he hung out with were, I think only two of those kids actually graduated from high school. 
Uh, one ended up in prison, not just jail, but in prison. And, and then there were some great stories of God's redemptive work in kids' lives as well. But it, So it was a mixed bag. Sure. And there were times where we had to say, okay, we're drawing boundaries, we're pulling you out because we're seeing the influence hitting you. Well, so it wasn't always clean and easy. Yeah, and yeah. I want to I respond to the gasp from the moms. And I can hear moms <laughs> gasping yeah. out there going, sure. that's ridiculous. Yep. Um, speak to that mom's heart. How do you, you know, how do you tread carefully yet courageously? Sounds like an oxymoron. Yeah. You yeah. have to put the time in. You need to be there in the home. There has to be some level of commitment to be watching if you're going to allow your kids to be in the in those places. Well, that speaks to the parents, right? Cruise mm-hmm. control doesn't mm-hmm. work. It so doesn't. It, it starts making a mm-hmm. lot of impact on you in terms of time and observation and being engaged. Mm-hmm. And so many of us as parents, we want autopilot. We don't want to be engaged if we're really honest with ourselves. Well, that goes back uh, to your opening statement, Kevin, that uh, too many of us have a bunker mentality and we silo ourselves off from the world. And you're saying, no, it's all about engaging with the world from a biblical perspective. We're not good with messy. The Christian church has become too efficient at being clean Mm -hmm. and pure. And I would challenge that. But I mean, I think that's what we think we're achieving when what the Lord does, even with the disciples on the shores of the Decapolis, when he casts the demons out of the man into the swine, think of that moment because the disciples mm. didn't want to get out of the boat. Yeah. Because in a Jewish context, if they stepped foot on that soil, they became unclean. Mm-hmm. And Jesus jumps out of the boat and engages the culture. Yeah. Yeah, that is such a good picture for us. Yeah. And that's what you've done. Yeah. Uh, through that activity. You've jumped out of the boat, put your foot down on the Decapolis, yeah. the outskirts of yeah. the uh, known world at the time, yeah. in a really ugly situation, and you brought Christ to them. Yeah, And, and I, I found that praying on my knees. <laughs> yeah, I bet you I did. found myself yeah. in my bedroom on my knees, yeah. being honest with God, saying, God, you know our heart. You know what we're trying. We're trying to proclaim the good news, but you know we don't want to sacrifice our child. No. Yeah. And we don't feel like you're asking us to do that. Yeah. But as long as they can be that influencer, Lord, help us. Mm-hmm. I do have to say that for one of our sons, this he was able actually to be the influencer. The other moms were thrilled. They were happy to have him be the one hanging out with their own kids. These moms were struggling, too, with their boys' decisions. Uh, but I do recall one night that I could over, because I'm still listening and I'm watching, and I overheard what was going on in the basement, and the language was not good. And it had just gotten to the point where I started to wonder if my son really was influencing for good at this point. So I actually remember that night I got on my knees. I could hear the language coming up through the register, and I I literally prayed how can it be this has been going on for a long time and if my son is at a point right now where he is not being the influencer lord please help him get caught huh, yeah. and i have to say that it wasn't long after that that we actually got a call from a police officer and he got caught hmm. midnight saturday night before easter sunday and I've got to go pick my kid up from the police. And you're the yeah. pastor. Right. I, yeah. Indeed, I was. And, and still he am, was yeah. 13. Yeah. So uh, we, Kevin and I have a basic um, parenting principle that we think kids should make mistakes early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give them some freedom so they're not 18 making that kind of a mistake 
they're 13. And uh, so I actually remembered when the call came, I said to Kevin, may I talk to the police officer? And he handed the phone to me and I said, thank you. Thank mm. you. Yeah, that was an answer. And so prayer. Kevin picked him up. Yeah. And uh, we brought him home. And we uh, got to have a real good conversation and real clear consequences. And he spent some time in front of a judge with dad and mom next to him and got some uh, community service. And uh, and he also had a whole new set of boundaries. And we said, okay, you're not influencing. You're being influenced. And so uh, we pulled him out of that group for a mm-hmm. season. And uh, and that experience yeah. changed him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the better. Oh, oh absolutely. Better. Yeah. It was then shortly after that he realized that uh, he was making wrong decisions. And we we let him live with the consequences. Oh, yeah. I, the judge, saw, I got to tell you, the judge looked and saw this couple that seemed engaged and caring and, and pretty serious about discipline and started to back off. And I said, whoa, 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 don't you back off. You give him everything you can. They said, he said, really? I said, yeah, whatever you would normally give to any kid, you lay it on him. And our son looked at me, and I looked at him, and the judge laid it on him. And he did some community service, some different things. On top of the, my yard never looked better. I'm telling you, the next month, he worked hard. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this, though, because, you know, some parents may be in that same boat, and they've got uh, what they would describe in a Christian home as a prodigal or Mm -hmm. the beginnings of a prodigal. Mm -hmm. And they may have stood in front of a judge with their child, their 13-year-old, and they got home that night, and it didn't go so well. He didn't respond or she didn't respond in such a, a good way, a positive way. Yeah. What does that parent do when that actually um, puts a, a bigger break in the relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, no easy answers to that, but I think you, you keep praying, you keep loving, you hold your ground. Uh, I've watched so many parents that say, okay, now you're going to uh, do that. We're going to have this restriction. So you're on restriction for the rest of your life. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, what's more intimidating is a month. If you really mean it. And, and back it up. And back it up. And, and your cell phone gets put in a box and your computer's off and we're reading some books together and we are, and you're doing some yard work and you're not going to go to your room and play in your room. We're going to walk through. And we, as a pastor and as a you know, couple in ministry, we walk with lots of couples and continue to who go through not just 13-year-olds, but 23-year-olds and 33-year-olds mm-hmm. who are still wandering. And, and being clear, articulating what you believe, where you stand, and then just to follow through with love. But to follow through, man, so many parents, they, uh, matter of fact, out of that one situation, one of the parents told us their child was going to be on restriction for, I think, two or three weeks. Two days later, we saw him out kind of messing around around town. And I actually called the parent. I said, did you know your son's? Well, yeah, he said he was really sorry. And he he said he wouldn't do it again. And I was like, are you serious? Do you love your kid or don't you? Now, they weren't even a believer. But we had to have a honest conversation. If you love your kid, you will follow through. Yeah. And so, yeah. well, those are good words. Uh, Kevin and Sherry Harney, authors of the book Organic Outreach for Families. I think this has been really stimulating just oh, thinking thanks. through how to engage those around you, how to mm-hmm. put, you know, a bit of risk into your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, in doing so, honoring the Lord and drawing people closer to Him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gutsy, but it's the right thing to do. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Committing to a life of evangelism is certainly never perfect or easy, but as Kevin and Sherry have shown us today on Focus on the Family, it is worth it. It's so true, John, and I want to go back to what Kevin said near the beginning of the broadcast, that studies show that 97% of us 
don't have the gift of evangelism. That's a big number. But there isn't an escape clause in the Great Commission. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, uh, not some of you. And if you're ready to take that next step as a family, a perfect place to start is Kevin and Sherry's uh, great book, Organic Outreach for Families, Turning Your Home into a Lighthouse. It has the inspiration and ideas you need to team up with your children and your spouse and boldly share your faith, no matter what situation you're currently in. And when you order uh, Kevin and Sherry's book directly from us here at Focus Canada, you're helping us lead people to Christ each and every day through this broadcast and other ministries. That's what we're all about. So please join us. The number to call to donate and get your copy of that great book is 800-A-FAMILY or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Well, next time on this broadcast, Kim Meter will help you draw closer to Jesus to experience his peace and his freedom. And if we don't have freedom in any area of our life, and I'm pointing my finger at myself, it's for one reason only. I'm not choosing it. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.